Hi, welcome to the New Story Church podcast. We hope that this week's message encourages you and brings you closer to Jesus. Today, um, I am going to take the next step with the next word. Uh, I guess it's a word that, you know, I, I, I kicked around a lot, a lot of different words I could speak about. I'm not very smart. I went to college for six years. It was a four-year school. <laughs> True story. Um, but, you know, I've been a part of this ministry called Eight Days of Hope for 18 and a half years. And so today I thought I'd talk a little bit about that word hope. Do you know hope is mentioned? Just take a guess. How many times do you think hope is mentioned in the Bible? 20, 40, 50? How about 129 times the word hope is mentioned in the Bible? You know, eight days of hope. We normally go for eight days and we rebuild things for free. Uh, we have now helped 9,800 families rebuild their house across America. Is God great? In the last six weeks, in the last six months, we've been to Maui to help out with the fires. We were in Clarksville, Tennessee to help those that survive the tornadoes. We were in Amory, Mississippi, rebuilding 122 homes in eight days. The number eight in the Bible means new beginnings. Um, right now, we're building a seven and a half million dollar campus four hours from here. There will be a home for girls between the ages of 14 and 19 who've been rescued from sex trafficking. We're building it for free. It opens up June 1st. Play, pray for Safe Harbor, the ministry we partner with, and our volunteers as they kind of wrap up. Um, what is hope? What is hope? You know, I, I think... I think when I think about hope, so born and raised in Buffalo, moved away for 19 years, came back six years ago because I love being back home. You know, when I think of the word hope, the first thing, I'm sorry, forgive me. Okay, wasn't very religious, but I'm hoping my Buffalo Bills win the Super Bowl. Okay, is that okay? No lightning bolt came through the roof, so I'm all right. All right. Sometimes it's something that we want to happen, like winning the Super Bowl or winning the lottery or maybe hope that you'll meet someone special if you're single. Uh, does God have somebody out there for me? Does he even know that I'm looking? Uh, maybe it's to get a promotion at work or maybe it's to come into some money. You know, hope is so important, it is hope, that we actually list it as one of our five core values, Last year, we brought a consultant in and, and the staff, including Kim and Scott. We went to Gatlinburg and just kind of snuck away from the world. And, and, and one of the core values, hope, this is how Chandler Gurley, our director of operations, defined it in our, or, or spoke about it in our 2023 annual report. Listen up. The hope that God allows us to provide those in need is what propels us to travel across the country, make thousands of meals through our mass feeding arm, didn't even tell you about that, build safe places and more. As people, we need something stronger than what wind and water can take away, amen? We need an everlasting assurance, the kind only found in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus is our hope, amen? Amen. We were in Houston, and we were we we took we're crazy, I guess, but four thousand six hundred ninety-eight people went on a mission trip. We fed them and lodged them. Not we. I didn't do any feeding. I promise you. Our feeding bill in Houston back after Harvey was one hundred and sixty-one thousand dollars. Let alone the fifteen million dollars of work we did in eight days. 
we shot a video, and I want you to watch this video. And then I'm going I'm to dive in with some scriptures in a minute. But I want you to meet two of the families we, we served in Houston after Harvey. You're going to meet a widow who actually contemplated suicide because she canceled her flood insurance literally right before Hurricane Harvey. And then you're going to meet a lady who said no one's ever been there for her. But then hope showed up. Let's watch this video. I waited until the very last minute to, to leave the house. And they came to rescue me in a boat. It's very scary. We could see that water rising as we we're looking out from the attic. We're looking down and we're just watching that water just rise and rise and we didn't know if it was gonna stop rising. I've had flood insurance since 89 and have never used it. My homeowner's insurance and my windstorm insurance came at the same time, which was $2,500. And since I had never used flood insurance, I canceled it. And this was in August. So... I didn't have flood insurance. A stranger came and was on our block to pick up a his mother. Got my husband's attention. My husband crawled out of the attic crawl space that we was in and came out and he ended up being able to pull our boat and got everybody on our block out to safety. Then um, eight days of hope showed up and saved us. It was like a, a swarm of yellow bees, bumblebees or something coming in, and they started working, tearing stuff out, and just working so hard. And they did more than we ever expected. We were lost. We didn't know what we was going to do when we seen the destruction of our home and everything that we've lost. 35 years of our lives just destroyed. One day, eight days of hope guys showed up here. They asked us if we could all pray together and I said yes because I, I needed that so much. And they came and they prayed with us and when we were done praying they just went in my home and they started tearing down walls and, and pulling up floors. And I mean, they worked hard taking out cabinets and they all just worked together and they did it so fast. You know, I, we were just so amazed, my husband and I, at how hard they worked. This island was attached to the floor and it was, the floor underneath it was wet, so they, told me that they thought they were going to have to dismantle it. But then later they came and said, we figured out a way to save it. And they put jacks under it and raised it up off the floor. And I was really sad when they told me they were going to have to remove it or destroy it because my husband did the tile work and, and I really wanted to keep it. 
and they figured out a way to fix it for me. I get real emotional trying to talk about being thankful for the Lord. And y'all came in, you did a great job. We'd really be in a mess if you hadn't showed up, if y'all hadn't come and worked so hard. It just seemed so natural for them to give us the love that they were giving us. And I, 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 we've never felt that in our whole life. My husband and I have been together 35 years and it's always been just us depending on each other. It's always just been us to have each other's backs. Nobody else has had our backs throughout our life. Eight Days of Hope, the volunteers came and they showed us that we're not alone, that we have somebody to have our backs. And that is something that is so hard for me to wrap my brain around because we've never had that until Eight Days of Hope came and did that for us. Thank you, Eight Days of Hope. You saved my life. Everyone was so wonderful. And all the help that y'all been doing for countless others, it's, it's God, man, and it's, it's a good thing. I am so thankful for every one of them volunteers to have heard God's call and have come to help people like us. Because without them, my family would not know what to do. My family would have no way of having any type of hope whatsoever. They have brought our faith back to us. They've, they've given us something to believe in again. So Ms. Sonia said, my family has hope again. My family has hope again. Because people like you and me, less skilled, non-skilled, maybe skilled, decided to go on a missions trip to be a glimpse of Jesus. Because there's wishy-washy hope, there might be expectant hope, but then there's the hope that you and I have, if you are a follower of Christ, that we have. Ms. Sonia met the Lord because volunteers came to Houston and showed her a glimpse of Jesus by bringing her family hope. I want to move really quick today. I want to share a couple Bible verses. I want to talk about hope. But first, let me tell you that uh, what does the Bible say about hope? Um, hope is never lost. Romans 8, 24. Uh, if you have your Bibles and maybe it's, oh, there it is already behind me. I, you guys are good. Wow. I don't know if Scott, if you're watching, they need a raise. Oh, they're volunteers. All right, well, I got you. <laughs> hope is never lost. Romans 8, 24, for in this hope we were saved. If you are a follower of Christ, in his hope you, we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all who hopes for what they already have. See, it's difficult to see hope in tough situations. Some of you are going through a very tough situation right now. Maybe your marriage, your health, finances, maybe you have a child that's wayward. Maybe, maybe right now you've just lost your job and you came today because you're like at wit's end. It's difficult to see hope in a tough situation, but the Bible says true hope is unseen. Can you see your salvation? If you know Jesus, that's me, that means you have salvation in him. Can you see salvation? No. Salvation is literally unseen. 
but then we can be hopeful for other things that are also unseen. Two, we, we can be confident in hope. Hebrews 11.11 says, Now faith and confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. See, by knowing Jesus, you can have confidence in his hope that he will provide. In who he is, that his plan is unfolding in front of our eyes because we don't see the whole picture. How many times in life are you feeling hopeless because what you see in front of you doesn't make sense? And then later in life, you realize, oh my gosh, God was in this all the time. You've got to trust in that. He's in control. He sees the big picture. He understands what he wants to do and what he is going to do. Sometimes what we see confuses us. Our God is not a God of confusion. Amen? But we can find rest when we confidently hope on the Lord. I think about Abraham all the time. I have five kids. One's here today. Stephen, thanks for coming. Um, you know, Abraham's taking his kid, I'm paraphrasing, all right? Taking his kid up a hill because he thinks and he believes he's going to have to sacrifice his son. I don't know about you. I'd be feeling pretty hopeless at that moment. I would even question my faith at that moment. God had a plan, though, didn't he? We don't see sometimes what's on the other side of the mountain. Hope can be an expectation and anticipation that rests in what we believe. This means that for the child of God, hope can be as strong as what we have learned about God's goodness and faithfulness, just as important it can show the presence of the Spirit of God in our lives. We were in Amory, Mississippi recently. A tornado came through, F3 tornado. Uh, has anyone ever lived in a community that's got hit by a tornado before? It is, I'll take our snowstorms in a heartbeat. I mean, people lose everything, where they live, where they work, where they go to church, where they take the kids to the doctor. There's loss of life. It changes that community, no joke, for about seven years. It will never look the same. Those trees are long gone. We go to Amory because they have a tornado. 1,708 people from around the country, 39 states in Canada, went to Amory, Mississippi about a month ago, including Kim and Scott and others from Western New York. We thought we were going there to rebuild homes, and that's what we did. We did about $4 million of work, seven homes. Guys, this is no joke. Seven homes were built from the ground up in eight days. Now, I don't know about you right now. Uh, I just got done taking a wall in my kitchen out. Actually, I had a friend come take the wall in my kitchen out. <laughs> you know anything about Steve, I'm the guy you don't give a tool to unless it's a blow dryer, and those days are gone too, but... It took us about eight weeks to take a wall out and get it set up the way I wanted to get set up. How do you build a house in eight days? He knows how. Amen? So a tornado comes. An example of having hope in the Lord is you go and you go serve and you do, you know, $4 million of work. It's great. We go simply to love and serve the brokenhearted. Guess what? People met Jesus for the first time that probably wouldn't have happened if the tornado didn't come. 
some volunteers not only gave their heart to the Lord, but said, before we go home, we want to get baptized. Well, that wasn't part of our plan, but it was part of his plan. See, sometimes we only see what we see and we don't understand everything else that's going on. And so I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you so much um, to be confident in hope, be confident in our Father. Third verse I want to share is Romans 15, 13. True hope comes from God. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to read that verse over like 20 times. I want joy in my life. I want to be a joyful person. Who likes to hang out with somebody who's not joyful? Raise your hand. Oh, maybe I can't see that one hand. I oh, I, I don't see any hands. We don't want to hang out with that person, right? But you want to be filled with joy. If you want to be filled with peace, if you want to feel and know that you can trust in him, may the God fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? I hope you do. Because there's power in the Holy Spirit. I've seen God move time and time again. You can't do what we do and not, not expect God not to show up. You just have to ask him, God, I need you right now. I was there praying today, this morning, be very candid, had an interesting week. And I had to, I had to repent about something. I had to come clean with God about something before I would share his word. Life can be tough sometimes. Sometimes we react in ways that maybe isn't honorable to God. Maybe you don't have the joy and peace that you knew the minute you met him for the first time. Sometimes we just got to set things straight. That's what I was doing this morning. I was trying to set some things straight before I came up, and he heard me. And I believe he wants to fill me with joy and peace. True hope comes from trusting God, even when circumstances are difficult. One way to know whether you're trusting God is whether you're obeying his word. Let me repeat that. For those of you who are taking notes, I'm, I'm about to share something for free that you want to jot down. One way to know whether you're trusting God is whether you're obeying his word. This is what I want you to remember. Trust produces obedience. If you trust him, you're going to be obedient to him. Not perfect, but you're going to be obedient to him. So when you have to make it right, you make it right. But trust produces obedience, which produces hope which results in joy and peace, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you it again, because you're like me. Maybe you didn't go to college for six years, but I can hear some things more than once. Trust produces obedience, which produces hope, which results in joy and peace, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Hope endures. Hope endures. Proverbs 23, 18, there is surely a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. Hoping in God will never lead us into despair because he has a plan for all of us when we look to him. And see, that's the problem. Sometimes I, we don't look to him. Sometimes Steve wants to fix it. Sometimes Steve thinks he has a plan. I think God is much bigger than Steve. And God's much bigger than you as well. He has a plan for you. He has a future for all of us that is full of hope. Are you full of Jesus today? Man, that's, I tell you what, as you age, and so, you guys are so young. David, you and I are the only people that are over 60 in this room, I think. 
My gosh, you're good. I tell you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Thank you. Did you hear that? No, only kidding. Okay. Um, when times are crazy, and they've been crazy for me, I led a corporation, but because of some sister companies, we got shut down. Not because of our company that we were leading, but because of some sister companies. I've had a child go through a really tough season in life, whereas a dad, I'm like, Lord, where are you? I've seen my wife get a diagnosis of, of having three cancer tumors, go to three different places, and everyone says, Steve, you better do surgery tomorrow because it is not good. I've seen an adoption that we thought was happening fall apart at the last minute. I've known heartbreak, but I know a God that I can trust, and I know a God that I can have faith in, and I know a God that knows the big picture, the whole picture, and all I have to do is submit to him, and he will give you hope. He will give you hope. What does God teach us about hope? Hope and faith go hand in hand, right? Hope enables us to endure these hardships and these long waiting periods. How many times have you said to somebody, I've been waiting on God for a while now? I don't know about you, I've never waited on God for 40 years, have you? There's some illustrations in the Bible of people hoping and leaning and trusting God for long periods of time. Sometimes it went well for some and sometimes it didn't. God's timing is always, always perfect. Psalm 27, 14, I didn't give him this verse, but wait and hope for and expect the Lord. Be brave and of good courage and let your heart be stout and enduring. Stay close to God. Stay close to God. How do you become close with somebody? You spend time with them, right? I mean, if you two want to hang out and be buddies and friends, you've got to invest time in that relationship. We have to invest time in our relationship with God. That's by looking at his word. It's about being a part of a Christian fellowship. It's about going out and serving others in his name. It's about knowing him. It's about saying yes to him maybe for the first time. Spending time with God is so, so important. You know, as we move further away from God, we have less hope. Because then we start thinking in the flesh. We were in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 2008. A flood came, and we had requested a grant for $250,000 to buy all the materials. We had no staff. We had no equipment. We had nothing uh, back in 2008. We had a bunch of volunteers who wanted to go be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so Thursday night, we know that tomorrow night on Friday, 1,300 people are coming to Cedar Rapids. We're going to feed them and lodge them, and we're going to provide all the materials because that's what we do. Well, the people that gave the grant out found out that we were really faith-based. And so on Thursday night at 6 o'clock, they said, Steve, bad news. I'm sorry. I know this might put you in a crunch, but we can't give you that money for the materials. I said, excuse me, you're breaking up. What? I heard him, but I had to like start thinking. I lied. Anyways, Steve, we knew you were faith-based, but you're really faith-based, and that's going to offend some people. I'm like, really? So we had eight leaders. We got in a circle. What do we do when, when things don't go our way? I don't know what you do. I know what I do. I pray. 
I mean, I pray. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. It doesn't have to be calm, but I pray. We sat there and we held hands. We stood in that little hallway and we, we prayed, we held and we held hands and we prayed. And, and after done praying, I looked at them and, and someone said, what do we do now, Steve? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I said, I have an idea. We prayed. God hears our prayers. He knows our hearts. I don't know how many visa cards you all got, but if you're willing to use your personal visa card, knowing that I feel pretty good at some point we can reimburse you. And we had like 18 cards on the table. Some had a thousand hour credit limit. A couple guys might've had a 5,000 hour limit. Nowhere close to a quarter million dollars, but we had to do something. We had faith that God had a plan. We had hope that God had a plan. I'm telling you guys, you can't make this up. It'll be in my book if I ever sit down and write a book because I need to share some of these God-sized stories from the mission field. But literally an hour later, an hour later, the phone rang and they did a 180. And do you know, since that day, I was just reminded by our treasurer this past week, our vice president, we're looking at a unique project that is going to take a significant amount of resources. And he said, you know, Steve, since that day, we've never had to wait more than seven days to pay every bill. We now have $7 million of equipment. We have a training center in Mississippi, a satellite in Buffalo, satellite in Iowa. We had eight volunteer leaders. We now have 271 volunteer leaders. We have four arms of the ministry. I believe that God's shown us there could be a fifth arm right around the corner. It's about having faith. It's about having hope. Hope in knowing Jesus. Just real quick, just a couple more stories. I was thinking about this word hope. And, and, and I love, whenever I'm going to talk about a subject, I try to like do, I want to see what other people are saying about what the topic I'm going to talk about, because I don't want to miss something, because I don't do this for a living. I kind of help lead this ministry, but I love to share about God's goodness. And, and the illustration that, that, that I, I saw a lot, well, I'll get to that in a minute. I'm going to tell you about Miss Edna. I'm going to give you one more lasting story to show you that when you have the hope in the Lord, no matter what happens, you'll be at peace. Miss Edna was 84 years old. She lived in a very small town in Alabama. A tornado comes through and rips apart her town. It's a very rural town. So thankfully there was a little bit hills, not a lot. So kind of the tornado jumped up and down. She was parenting her grandchildren because her, 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 her child and, and their spouse had, had been gone, gone through some difficulties. So the tornado was coming and they had nowhere to go. And I think there was either nine or 11 kids. There was a bunch of kids. And so um, we go there and, and we meet her after the tornado and, and, and our leader calls me, says, Steve, man, Steve, he's in tears. He is, he's, I can barely understand him. He says, Steve, I met Miss Edna. We're going to help her today. Steve, you got to fly in. You got to meet her because what she went through is crazy. And yet, and yet she sings when we go there and work, she's singing praises to God. I said, well, what happened? He said, the tornado hit her house. Five of her grandchildren were killed. Five of her grandchildren were killed. 
And so I fly in, I hear about Miss Edna, you got to meet Miss Edna. She's full of joy and she's full of peace. And that's confusing some of our volunteers who know about hope, who know about joy, who know about peace. And I go and I see Miss Edna. I'm telling you, I pulled up in her driveway. There's debris everywhere. Our volunteers are serving and I hear someone singing. Who's Miss Edna? She came over and said, hey, Mr. Steve, it's so good to see you. Give me a hug, smiling from ear to ear. Talk about being confused. I'm like, what? Could I have that same joy five days earlier watching my grandkids lie dead in the ruins of a house of all you own? Could I, could I even come close to what Miss Edna was doing? I said, Miss Edna, I've got to ask. I've got to ask. How are you handling this so well? Exact words. I have hope in my God. He has a plan. And I'm just thankful to be a part of that plan. I have hope in my God. I believe Miss Edna talks to God every day, multiple times. I know Miss Edna sings to God because every time around her, she was singing. She was full of joy and she was full of peace that maybe you and I don't understand. Sometimes it's hard for me to understand that peace. I've been there. I've gone through some really tough things in life and it's hard to have peace. It's hard to sleep through the night, let alone have peace. You know, when you have hope, it's like a ship having an anchor. I've been on small boats. I don't do very well on boats. I've been on a couple cruises, and I don't know if you've ever seen any of those anchors of those cruise ships, but those are serious anchors. You know, a ship drifts and sways without an anchor. God is our anchor. God is our anchor. Hebrews 6.19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. See, God acts as our spiritual anchor. He keeps us grounded. He keeps us connected to what matters most. And he helps us to cope with the challenges in life when life brings us a giant curveball. A lot of psychologists use this quote. So this is not from, a, this is not from Billy Graham or even Scott Lackey, all right? This is just from a psychologist. I know it got a little heavy there for a minute, so... But this is really good. Man can live about 40 days without food. True. They can live about three days without water. Also true. Some of us, not me, can live without air for up to eight minutes. Psychologists, not Christian leaders, but psychologists say, but people can only live one second without hope. Do you know Jesus? Is he real to you? Are you going through a tough time? Are, are you holding on to that anchor? Life's not easy. I've been married 39 years, and I'm married way up. But it hasn't always been easy. I have five kids. It always has been easy. But I have hope. And I have faith because I know him.
Let me close here. Some of you have heard this story before, and that's okay. I know this guy really well. He was feeling pretty hopeless. See, he was an addict. If you know addicts, they can lie and manipulate, and boy, they can play a lot of games. But every single day for eight years, this addict was focused on one thing, his addiction. He was married, had a beautiful wife. He had uh, one son at the time. And, and, and his wife had had enough, and she had started going to church again, and she was praying for this guy and hoping this guy could turn his life around because she was tired, tired of running that race, living with an addict. I'll shorten it up a little bit. They, they have a big blowout because... Um, of where he was at. And so he leaves his house about 11 o'clock at night. Um, you probably wouldn't understand this, but he was so, he hated himself so much. Oh my gosh. He hated who he'd become. He had stole and lied and manipulated. He was only focused on his addiction. He didn't care about his family, his siblings, his parents, his kid, his wife his career. He just, he wanted to feed his addiction. That was his God. He hated himself so much. He looked in the mirror in the bathroom before he left the house and he took his fist. I know it's stupid, but he punched himself in the face because he hated himself. And so he said, this is it. I'm done. So he gets in his car. He's going to kill himself that night. He's done. Terrible father, terrible husband, his wife could leave him both biblically or in the world's eyes. His family didn't want anything to do with him because he was, he was, was out of control. So he takes his vehicle. He didn't own a gun. He took a vehicle and he parks his car on a railroad track where a train would come around the corner every night around 10 o'clock at night. So he's thinking, that's it. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. He rolls down his window. He takes the keys and throws them in the grass so he doesn't chicken out because he can't do anything right, but he's going to get this one right because he was done. He was finished. He had no hope. He was hopeless. And he waited for that train. That train came every night at 10 o'clock. It came every night. It's 9.59. Where's that train? How come I don't hear it? It's 10 o'clock. It must be running late. Surely something must be wrong. 10.05. 10.08. And now he's thinking, I can't even do this right. Now what? Goes and finds his keys in the grass. Starts his car drives back to his house, walks in the house. The wife says, what are you doing here? He says, just, just let me sleep on the living room floor. I'll be gone in the morning. I'll go to my parents' house. You need to because I'm done. I'll be gone in the morning. That's what he told her. The next morning she got up. She decides she's taking her son to church. She's been wanting to go to church. They had gone a little bit, but she was going to church that day. She was going to get right with God herself and make sure that, that she was walking the, the, the lane that he wants to walk down. She was even willing to stand in the gap for her husband, who she was done with. So the guy says, hey, I'm not trying to manipulate you, I promise, but can I go to church today? She said, hey, you can come to church, but after church, you're gone. 
took separate cars, drove to church. Gentleman with the orange O right there, he was sitting right where you were. And the pastor preached on Joshua 1.9. The verse says, Have I not commanded you to be strong and be courageous? Do not be discouraged, for the Lord thy God is with you wherever you go. And he said, Today there's someone here who's feeling like they can't go on. They're not only discouraged, and they're not only scared, but they're feeling hopeless. And if that's you, I know a God of hope. He won't make life perfect for you, but he'll walk every step with you. And when he did that altar call, that gentleman got up and he sprinted down and he ran to the right, fell on his knees and stayed there for about 45 minutes, crying out to God, weeping. He just said three things over and over again. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please take this addiction from me. I want to be the man and father you want me to be. I don't know about you guys, but I believe and I know that God will meet us at our lowest point. And it took that gentleman to be laying on his back with his arms up like a baby needing a, the helping the hand of a father or a grandparent saying, help me. I'm hopeless. And guess what? God will meet you right where you're at. And that's what happened. Oh, he's still an imperfect gentleman. Um, he does love the Lord. Um, God restored the marriage. They've been married now for 39 years. They don't have one child. They have five children. They have two grandchildren. And every day, oh yeah, they're like everyone else. We struggle, but we love Jesus and we serve Jesus. And guess what? We're not hopeless. Because that was me. That's my story. That's my new story. February of 1993, God changed my life. I will never be the same. I promised him that day, if he ever gave me an opportunity to share about him, I would always share my testimony. So if you heard it before, sorry, but not. Heard it for the first time. I'll close with this. Life's tough. Sometimes life's not fair. I attended a funeral a couple of weeks ago of a lady who's gone through two double lung transplants, 48, living life, and then she gets cancer. A friend of mine being buried next week in Mississippi took his own life. You don't have to do this thing called life alone. It starts by saying yes to him and no to the world. If you've never done that, if you don't know what that means, if you've never given your heart to Jesus and confessed from your sins, I believe that today, today, April 14th, 2024, could be the first day of the rest of your life. Just like that day was the first day of the rest of my life. And if that's you, and if you have any questions, maybe you're fighting addictions, maybe no one knows pornography is going through the roof. That's why trafficking has grown so much. But if you're fighting an addiction, it's, it starts with confession. Confessing to your brother. It's biblical. But I know that David and other leaders will be around. I, I have nowhere to go today. I don't get on a plane again until like 10 days from today. Now, if I stay here overnight, my wife's going to be asking me where I'm at. But if you want to talk, I'd love to talk with you. Amen. 
I'm going to say a real quick prayer, share a quick announcement, and then we'll close up. Father.